Is that a joke? <laughs> is, that, is that a joke? <laughs> Welcome to, uh, what do we call our podcast? <laughs> the draft will never die. Welcome to the craft will never die, Jimmy. everybody, this is the Craft Will Never Die podcast. My name is Blake Weber, and I'm joined by Nick Key, also known as Key Woodworks, and Jason Hibbs, also known as Bourbon Moth Woodworking. You can find me at the Weber Woodshop, but we've also got a special guest with us tonight, a guy named Jimmy Duresta. You may have heard of him. He's a maker. He's got a little YouTube channel. I believe he might be on Instagram as well. So, Jimmy Duresta, welcome to the show, and what's going on, guys? What's up, fellas? Hey, hey. Have we started? Jimmy. Yeah. No, this is the part, Jimmy. Remember we yeah. talked about this. <laughs> So Did we start Blake, yet? When Blake we says started. what's going yeah. on, that you was your cue. Button? That was your cue. So you tell us what's going on now. And go. <laughs> <laughs> what's going on? Well, I don't know uh, if you guys have been following my Instagram story today. We installed two big ass fans, and that is the name of the company. Most people hey, know big ass fans did, now. Kentucky. Did you know that? Nashville? That's where I'm from. They're yeah. made in my town. Oh, they're from Lexington. Yeah, they're in Lexington. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't. I knew they were somewhere over there. <clears throat> yeah, so we put two big ass fans. That's the name of the company. We put two big ass fans in to my shop. I installed them in the last couple of weeks, but Patrick, my buddy, has wired them up today. VFD complicated three phase step down two twenty. Oh, they're three it's, phase fans. Yeah, they're they're oh monsters, man. Total Are they like install. off of a like airplane, like propeller? No, well, they uh, the they're uh, they're designed and built uh, for big ass locations, <laughs> and you see them in stadiums, like any kind of new construction. A lot of times in malls, anytime they need air moving around, they have fans as wide as I think twenty four feet. Yeah, so you put I this have, in your living room, or where'd you put oh, it? The, the, I only have uh, well the fans. The fans I have are uh, eight feet across, and uh, they go in my shop, which has a floor plan of uh, forty by seventy-five. So that's the, so I have like one at each end of the shop. My shop, yeah. I just built a new building in my backyard. Kyle, actually, I paid to have it built, but Kyle from RR Builders and yeah. Dave from the Mexican Carpenter or PC Carpenter, those are both of his his monikers on Instagram. Dave and his team did some of the uh, more finished parts of the uh, contraction. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, I got a phone call. Somebody oh I did God. not text <laughs> to tell them what I was doing. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's uh, the, the big ass fans. We put the big ass fans in the shop and it's complicated because they delivered them to me probably eight months ago. And I finally got around to installing them in the last couple of months and then getting them wired. It's just, everything just takes so, so long. So, you say so them, how long. many big-ass fans did you install? Two. Two. Yeah. Uh, like I said, we got one at each end of the shop or at each half of the shop, for instance. Okay. The shop's uh, like about 75 feet long. So, we got one up in the air. The, the roof is 35 feet high. So, the peak inside, we have scissor truss. So... I intend on putting a second floor in the shop, so it's got enough airspace for a second ah, floor. Ah, okay. Wow. Yeah, you got to have some so space high. for those. I mean, if you're moving material around that's tall, I mean, <laughs> you don't want to hit one of those things. It'll probably kill you. Yeah. 
And with the they're, they're, they have a VFD, which is a variable frequency drive, so you can dial up the speed really high or, or super slow, or you could reverse them so it pushes and pulls on the air. Yeah. Whatever, whatever's what? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just... and they have these big aluminum extrusions. The blades they're about six feet oh. each blade. Yeah, it's uh. So the install was just everything's complicated, and you know, I build a shop that big, and then you realize you need a. Uh, full-time scissor lift so i rented one for six months so i paid for one that i didn't own and then i decided to buy <laughs> one so i bought two scissor lifts one i didn't own one i own mm, you know, this is, it's great because like for a minute we got a little nervous we thought we smelled like something burning so right away we jumped on the scissor lift went up in the air and checked the motors that weren't hot it was something else but mm. uh you know i i'm just we went up and down today probably mm. i don't know 30 times going up to the motor and back down and checking the if we have it set to the right voltage, if it's 220 or 480, coming back down, 440 and coming back down. So, the point I'm making is it is nice to have a scissor lift, although it is expensive and it seems like opulent, like why the hell do I need a scissor lift? But having a scissor lift with a ceiling that tall is pretty cool and quite necessary because yeah, I would never climb up a ladder that high. Yeah. No, never. I'm thinking about getting one in my shop. My ceiling's... I mean, I can climb up a ladder, but they're a good nine feet, and it's hard to get up there sometimes. So, yeah, scissor lift would be good. Yeah, the and uh, <clears throat> my other shop, I have a, a shop that I rent. That's really where I do most of my work. The shop I'm building is still in process. It doesn't have wall coverings. It doesn't have heat installed yet. So it's it's an ongoing project, and I'm paying for it as I go. A lot of people are like, why isn't it finished yet? Because I'm paying cash for every single thing I do. So sometimes when the money's coming in, that's when construction moves along. And when money's not coming in, everything just goes on hiatus. Because it's not as if I am, I'm, I, it's not that I can't work when it's not being worked on. Yeah. I have two shops. I have a shop I rent down the street. So are you, once you move into the new shop, are you going to stop renting the other shop and just have? No, uh, honestly, I, I like having all the space and financially mm-hmm. it works out at the moment. Because the shop that we're building is kind of like a, is like a, I'm calling it an event space. I certainly can do anything I want. And over the summer, we might stop building a, a hot rod, me and my friend in there. We would do it in there. But um, it is where I've been holding classes. From time to time, we hold classes. And over the summer, we held uh, two welding courses in there, uh, three-day courses. And everyone comes and stays here at the house. I have an old house. My house is a former B&B, and it's got 11 bedrooms. I could actually have, it could have 13 bedrooms if I use this room and the other living room as a bedroom. And so I could have as many as about 12 or 13 people stay here. And sometimes friends come and they don't mind sharing a room. So then we have extra people. And then we rent the house down the block, which has six bedrooms. So if we have a big event, and that's really what the barn is for. That was like the first intended purpose, but also just so I have my own giant space to work in something was it's kind of been a bit of a dream since i bought this property in 2004 i bought this yeah. property no money down no job no income so and i grew into it now a lot of buying, people have that now you're buying lot, your own scissor lifts <laughs> yeah that's right so a lot of people think <laughs> i bought this it. a lot of people think i bought this farmhouse with like youtube money but i've always owned this farmhouse i've owned it since i was 35 i'm four, 52 now so I've owned it uh, since I was about 36, yeah. So, I, I've owned it for a long time and it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle. I mean, the fastest way to lose your savings is to buy a place that you couldn't afford to begin with and that's exactly what happened to me. Oh, yeah. 
hmm. prior to buying this house, I had money in the bank. And then, you know, for the next 10 years, I had nothing in the bank. I lived paycheck to paycheck just to pay for this house and just to also pay for my rents in the city. My dream was I thought I'd buy this house and then immediately move up here and start working. But I, there was no work up here. All my work was in the city, so I could never disengage from my workshop in Manhattan. So I just stayed working at my workshop in Manhattan until YouTube came along. And then with YouTube, I started finally actually making some money that I could actually spend and not just survive. And that's how I ended up coming up here full time and building the barn and, you know, making a go of it. And we're doing the classes now. We do about, we did eight classes. We got about three more to go for this season. We got a blacksmith class starting this weekend, this coming weekend. It's Labor Day today. So yeah, this coming Friday, we start a, a blacksmithing class and I host, I don't actually teach. I, I'm there as like a muse, a creative muse, and but I host the events and bring people together. But I always bring in somebody that's actually an expert at whatever the subject is because I am not an expert at probably anything. The only thing I'm really an expert at is probably problem solving maybe. Mm. That's it. No, that's a good thing like to be to an think. expert in. But, you know, like I, it, and that's just the thing that you could, you know, you just kind of inspire people to do. You don't really teach them to do it. Maybe, I don't know. But- uh. When it you know, comes to black, everyone's like, you teach all those things? People don't understand. I don't teach them. I hire a teacher. And yes, I'm here the entire time. Because the other thing people think like, oh, you have a house and you hold a class and you hire somebody else. What do you do? Where are you? Are you not there? I'm like, no, I'm here the whole time. Like making sure the catering is getting done and your bed's made. And you know, I'm like the host. Mm, nice. so I, do, I do all these different things. I saw those ice picks, the new ice picks that you came out with, with the, the little bubble level. Those things are pretty sweet. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was just one that I made. I did a really long CNC project, oh. and I have to babysit the CNC project. So, while I'm babysitting the CNC project and making sure I'm not breaking a bit or, you know, the CNC fails in the middle of a cut and I come back five hours later and it hasn't done a thing, I sit there and babysit it. And while I'm babysitting it, I do machining. And that's when I made this. I'm, I'm holding up my ice pick with a level in the, in the handle. If you're and I was listening, inspired. look look into your earphones and you can see what Jimmy's holding up <laughs> yeah. at the camera. No, I make these ice picks. I've made several of them. I made probably about 6,000 of them and sold them. And 6,000 ice picks? Close to it. Yeah, maybe more, maybe less. I never really kept count. There's Dude, a guy that, that many ice picks, that's the problem. It's not global warming. People are buying so much ice because they got to use their ice picks. <laughs> <laughs> and Found so this was con. just a little... This was just a project. Uh, I was inspired by Starrett. Starrett makes these little bubble levels. And I bought one at a garage sale a couple weekends ago. And I was like, wow, that would look perfect inside the ice pick. So, I went right on Amazon, found some bubbles, some uh, spirit tubes that, you know, were replacement ones for whatever you might want to stick them in. And I drilled a hole in my ice pick and stuck a thing in the back and then put a, a magnet in the, in the end. So, wow. Are you going to make more yeah. of those? Is that gonna be I have made, model? He made 6,000 of them. How many more do you want him to make? No, I mean the bubble level style. Oh, okay. The one with the bubble level. I'm, yeah. I, I, I plan, I have 10 of these bubble levels, so I'm going to make 10 of these. And oh, I'll right. put them on my site. I mean, 10's good. It's no 6,000, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Christmas is coming. That's my, that's my ice pick season. Because a lot of yeah. people buy ice picks for their boyfriends and husbands mm -hmm. and friends and children. Some people buy ice picks for their kids. Because the kids are fans of mine, and they want the kid to have an ice pick. Believe it or not, so we make a lot of ice picks. Wow. And Blake, you have one of my posters in your background. I do. I'm going to be making a, a lot more printing. I'm going to be doing a lot more printing press in the next couple of weeks. So, Sweet. leading into Thanksgiving, Black Friday, Black mm. Friday. 
Yeah. So you know, Jimmy, we just said what's going on, and you've just kind of gone on and on and on now. <laughs> I was told this is free form. <laughs> oh yeah, free form. Okay. That's what I've been told. At least that's what I remember hearing. That's perfect. <laughs> I would have expected nothing less. Oh right. man, you got a lot going on. Yeah. No, I got so much shit to do. I don't. I don't even like. I don't. I got so much shit to do. I. I don't even like making lists because when I look at the list, I got overwhelmed. I'd rather it just be like, catch me, catch me, mm. like whatever it is. <laughs> like I get a phone call. It's like, hey, are you there yet? I'm like, oh, who is this? Oh, okay, I'll be there in five minutes. I forgot I had a meeting. I figured I'd try that tonight, yeah. and it worked. Yeah. Yeah, it's I just it's like I jump from lily pad to lily pad, whether it's a creative job or an interview or let's say a podcast or whatever. It's fun. Well we're we're glad you jumped on our lily pad, Jimmy. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> How about you, Jason? What's been going on, man? How can I top six thousand ice picks? <laughs> that's over the course of five years, so that's still that's like over a thousand ice picks a year. That's crazy. Something like that. Oh, what's been going on with me? Too much. Countertops. I've seen some countertops. countertops. Yeah. Also, I want to hear more about that because I've been following that on uh, Instagram. And it looked pretty, pretty cool. Pretty epic. So I have got to say with this whole house remodel I've been doing, the countertops were by far the one thing that I was the most nervous about because we poured our own concrete countertops. Um, and they weren't like they weren't normal concrete countertops. We got a little crazy with it. And when you're pouring concrete in your kitchen, one of those things is either it's going to be awesome or you're going to screw it up and then you're just stuck with it forever, right? <laughs> yeah. And so that was my fear that we were going to pour it and it was going to look horrible. And then, I mean, getting that out would be just a total pain in the ass. Um, so, yeah, we poured them. They turned out better than I could have hoped for. It it, it came out nice. great. We had a little um, had a little drama during the pour. So one of the unique features with our countertop is we did the concrete on the top, and then we have this kind of like island bar that juts out in the middle of the room. So we brought the concrete across the top, and then I wanted it to waterfall down the edge to the floor. So and then not only is it waterfalling down to the floor, but also that creates the bar on the other side. So you can have this overhang of concrete on the back the the countertop that creates the bar. So I built all the forms for the waterfall and the bar so that you could detach them afterwards so that it's, you know, just left of the concrete. So we start pouring it. We're getting it in the form for the waterfall. I'm vibrating the crap out of it. I took a um, reciprocating saw and I just took the blade out and just stuck the pad against the form just to vibrate it. And as I'm vibrating this form, I see it just start to kind of like bow out on the front because as all that concrete compacts on top of itself, it just starts to push that form Pushes. out. Or ballooned, did it so pop I apart? Had this, oh, no, I had this panic moment. I mean, I had screwed the form together. I would clamped the form together. I put angle iron. I thought I had taken every precaution possible so this thing wouldn't move, and it still did was you, going out. How broad, of a, how broad of a span was the plywood? Was, I assume it was at least three-quarter. Yes, three-quarter melamine. So I had that smooth surface on the inside. Um, yeah. It was like two and a quarter inches thick. So I thought like two and a quarter inches of concrete. I mean, it can't have that much force, right? But no, it started <laughs> to bow in the middle. So I'm like panicking. Mm -hmm. I had my friend Casey um, with me who's kind of like a, he can do anything. And so in about three seconds, he's like, I know what we have to do. And so right, right through, right the middle. Right behind the waterfall, about 10 feet back, there were two doorways. Like, there's our bathroom doorway, and then right across from that is our laundry room doorway. So what we did is we stuck a bunch of um, two-by-sixes in those doorways, 
And then we took a piece of four by four and pushed it against the base of the form on the floor. And then he ran out to the driveway and grabbed the jack out of my car and stuck it against the four by four. And we jacked the, <laughs> the form back into to squareness. And all this happened in the span of like five minutes. Like, oh, no, the form's yeah. bowing. And then he just runs out and gets the jack and we got it pushed back. And honestly, took the forms off. Looks perfect. I posted a video on Instagram. You can check it out. But I want to see it. What, what, what Instagram? I want to look. What's the Instagram? Um, it's what the Weber Wood Shop. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um, bur- Bourbon Moth Woodworking. You can see I posted a couple pictures so far on there, but it was an adventure, man. I was I was sweating bullets for a while, but oh, I follow you. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> I follow you already, but uh, you know it's you know how the algorithm works. It doesn't show you I don't. people. Uh, Does anybody? I, I no, <laughs> but it works in the way that like people that I know, I haven't seen them for a while. I'm like, are you still alive? I haven't seen you on Instagram. Oh yeah, for, for sure, for sure. So this is I, so I'm looking at the square waterfall edge that goes over. That's beautiful. Yeah, no, I mean, all things considered, it turned out it turned out great. Yeah. There's a few little bubbles in there, but honestly, I like a few bubbles. That's why you do concrete. You do yeah. a little imperfections. People Gives a little it. character. So concrete champagne. How so long do you have to wait to seal it? I'm sealing it tomorrow. It's been 10 okay. days now. So that's kind of what they say for it to cure out enough that you can seal it. So it's a two part, um, like a, it's a urethane sealer that you put on there. You put two coats and I did the, so before I did the whole kitchen, cause the kitchen's a huge pour. I did a little countertop in our bathroom just to kind of make sure, you know, I could do it. Still had an undermount sink, so it was a little tricky, and that turned out great. Um, and the sealer on there has been awesome; it's super strong, gives it a really nice kind of satin luster, which is cool. So, yeah. is it made by that R word? No, it's not by the R word. The R word had nothing to do with this. That's oh, impressive. Man. Yeah, came out beautiful. But to be honest with you, Jason, I'm pretty surprised you didn't do like some rainbow epoxy or something instead of concrete <laughs> some like lava rainbow. flow like don't get me sparkles. started on epoxy man not today <laughs> not today Blake no no river tables in your no river tables no Nick. the other the other tricky part about the concrete is like once you pour it like you get it all poured that's great but then the finish it's all in the troweling process so if you're not good at troweling, you're not going to get a good finish because it's not like, I mean, in the forms, like the waterfall, the melamine gives it a good finish. So you pull the melamine right. off and you get like the perfect finish from the melamine. But on the top of the countertops, it's all in the steel trowel. So that's where it got a little dicey. But who did that for you? I did, Nick. <laughs> Gosh, I watched a couple of YouTube videos and I went for it. You're an expert. Yeah, Wait, no. you watch YouTube? Yeah, me and my friend Casey did it. So it was good. Nice. Solid. Nick, what's been going on with you, man? Man, I have been busy as of late. Oh. Uh, the ash shelves that have taken me forever are done and delivered. I the got ladder, rid of those. The ladder ones? Yeah, the ladder shelves. I All got right. those installed a couple of weeks ago. The oh, bourbon, I guess it's been just the about bourbon a week. ash. The bourbon ash, yeah. The R product that I love, it went on amazing. Um, so they loved it. It looked exactly how they pictured uh, it. However, it didn't go in a spot that I thought it was going to go. So when I you know, brought it and set it up, I was kind of like, oh, this isn't where I was thinking it was going. Was it in, so their, I, was it in their bathroom? Was it right above it, their toilet? It was, it was in a closet. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. No, but it was in, the, in like their kid's playroom in the corner. So I, like, I 
didn't have a good angle to get a good beauty shot of it. So uh, I was, was kind of like, like oh, dang. There's yeah, kind of a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. But what, uh, I, it, can I follow your Instagram to see it? I probably follow you already. I don't even know. Yeah, you you probably follow me, Jimmy. Uh, <laughs> he, he's kind of a big deal. You probably follow him. <laughs> no. Uh, Key me. Woodworks. Key Woodworks. A E Y. That's it. So you spell Key. <laughs> <laughs> so that oh was God, Jimmy was dressed as sneezing. <laughs> that was not a lion attacking a helpless <laughs> hyena. So Nick, oh my God, recording? are you recording in Africa? Or are you still? Yeah, I'm still over in Africa. Sounds like jungle animals. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. You know, it's so funny. Uh, Tracy sent me this picture yesterday, and it's is awesome. So, thank you. That's a great, great show. Oh, you saw? Yeah, I tagged you in, in a post yesterday, so I was hoping you'd you see it. That's, I that don't is get, a picture is... of Nick's son reading a book, um, in case anybody's wondering. Yeah. We're showing we're... pictures via the internet now. Yeah. The uh the what drives me crazy is that I don't get like you may have tagged me in that and I don't know where to look for it. It doesn't like blow right. up. I don't get notifications. So and then there's also a lot of people will say, Hey, I tagged you in a in a post today. And then I gotta right. go and find the post. I find it, but I'm not tagged anywhere that I could tangibly see. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it doesn't give me the opportunity to share the segment. I don't know. I I'm still I guess I'm just too old to No, it's just one of those things you probably get tagged in everything you know on the hour oh, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe it, it might be information overload yeah a little but I bit see my name's in here so thank you so much freeze tag yeah. you guys ever play that you know where you get tagged and then you gotta freeze until someone untags you i played that today really, really? with your kids yeah actually I, That's a wow. good I, was out, I was out there with my kids in the in the street we we're playing freeze tag ah, that's oh, good that's man. impressive yeah <laughs> super random also i know <laughs> anyways nick sorry we're yeah. getting off topic here so enough of the ash shelves; those are done. They're done. Uh, They're gone. Yeah, I. What's uh, next? I've got some corner floating shelves I'm working on, and I'm your laundry room. Well, okay. So you saw my post. The one I made ended up in my laundry room, so that was just a prototype, and I made it conventionally by you know cutting everything on a table saw or a track saw, forty five degrees and tape and miters and glue it up, and it's done. Then. I had this like stroke of genius, I guess, overnight. But like, have you ever thought you thought of something that's original, and then you Google it, and you're like, "Oh no, I'm I'm an idiot. I've seen this somewhere," or you know, it's industry standard kind of thing. Yeah. So I, I had that same thing with yeah. Nesquik. I thought I invented it, but <laughs> you thought you invented Nesquik? Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> well, I just ground up a, a Snickers bar, and I thought I'm going to add this to milk, and then I found that Nesquik exists. So, anyways, yeah. continue. So I I was thinking, I was like, why don't I use a CNC or my CNC to make these uh, folding uh, miter shelves? So I got on, on YouTube and looked it up, and apparently they've been using CNCs to cut the V-grooves for folding furniture for years. So I was I, confused by that, because so am I right in thinking you don't cut all the way through the plywood, you leave it thin enough that then you can fold it over so it's like, the veneer wraps around the front. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. so, I saw somebody that invented a table saw blade that does that same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Rock, I think Rockler actually has like the miter fold table saw blade. Yeah, that was Andy. Andy Klein. Andy Klein invented it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Andy, yeah. Yeah. Andy did. Andy Klein. And that's right. Rockler, I got Rockler one of them. picked it up. How does it work pretty well? 
It does. It does. It works really well. You just gotta, yeah. while you're in the middle of cutting it, you gotta make sure parts don't flop off like the table. Because if you're, you're cutting oh, a box, yeah. it might be 18 inches and then plus four inch walls. You know, right. So you cut, all of a sudden, you've, the piece you cut is like ready to bend and fall apart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you go off the table saw, if you don't have a, f- whatever, you just gotta, you gotta how, manage the parts. How thin is that veneer that folds over? Well, they say you could do it. You could put tape so it'll cut right up to the tape. Yeah. So you, so you could actually either cut the veneer up to the veneer surface, or cut through the veneer into tape, for instance, and leave the tape on until everything's so glued the veneer and doesn't pull it off. Splinter. But a CNC right. seems like a genius way to do it because it's all laying yeah. there, and then you just pull exactly. it up. Yeah. And yeah. my test was was perfect. Like it was beautiful, except I didn't cut quite enough deep grooves. So I I left five five one thousandths of material. And I guess I need to go like maybe like two or even the one thousand. Yeah, the only the, the only problem even be as, go, ahead. go ahead. No, I was gonna say the only problem doing that is you got to make sure your table is dead flat. You have to almost like yeah put a new spoil board yeah. on. Yeah, I just flatten I your just spoil board my just for that project. Yeah. So yeah, that's just a pain in the ass. I, I've done it. Man. When you're when you're dealing in like couple thousandths of an inch, like five, ten, whatever. It always cuts through one spot and not enough on the other. Right. Now, what, what's the reason that you're leaving any uh, of the veneer at all? What if you did like what Jimmy was saying with the tape, and then you just use the tape as basically the clamp? But you know, if you leave any veneer at all, you're probably going to get some splintering. Is it thin enough that you can bend it, and you don't have any seam whatsoever? Exactly. It's just continuous grain wrap. Yeah. yeah. Then I wouldn't have to worry about my glue. You know, it sliding off that miter a little bit or. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but also it's because there's another podcast that's running a uh, little competition of you know folding wood, Ma- modern making wood. Yeah, bending wood. I what folding yeah. wood? What is wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> yeah, they're doing that bent wood competition. So I thought this would be a good time to put my foot in the in that that realm. Is it bent plywood? I saw Ben put the post up. Is it bent plywood or just bent wood in general? It's any kind of bent wood that's pretty pretty open to interpretation. Yeah, because plywood's, I mean, it's it's laminated Sorry. it's laminated veneers, right? So it's kind of uh, a gray area. <laughs> yeah, no, I I was planning on joining that as well. I think it'd be a cool thing to to get into. Um, but but I like the way they kind of left it open to interpretation. So I think anything that you want to do, they even said that on their podcast. Um, if anybody hasn't heard it, the Modern Maker podcast. They're doing, um, with Rockler, they're calling it the, well, they're hashtagging uh, Rockler Bentwood Challenge. So, um, yeah, listen to their podcast or go check it's out It's funny because I keep info. seeing that everywhere, and there's this guy that I follow, and his name's Brentwood. And so oh, they yeah. keep saying Bentwood, and I'm like, Brentwood, is this guy involved? But it's not, because it's Bent, not Brent. <laughs> Anyways, off topic. Yeah. Hey, did anybody see like 10 minutes ago when we were talking, Jimmy just pulled out that ice pick and just scratched his ear with it? That was weird. I, I did see that. <laughs> so good. Yeah. It felt so I good. thought he was trying to give himself a, like a lobotomy or something. I was wondering the same thing. I was like, <laughs> Nick yeah. was talking that I didn't want to interrupt. So. Oh, it felt so good. Did you get it? <laughs> the sharp part of my hair. I go, I eat this. Oh, oh, oh man. Oh. Okay. If Jimmy All doesn't right. exist after tonight, that's just not why. our fault. He's got an ice pick in his ear. Blake, Blake yeah. Weber, what's going on with you? Uh, well, speaking of the Bentwood Challenge, that's kind of my next project I've been getting excited about. Um, what wood are you going to bend? I'm going to bend some wood. 
I think <laughs> I'm making a bar cart though. Uh, it's it's actually something. Oh, that I, I saw wanted. that. Did you do that on Fusion 360 or SketchUp? That uh, SketchUp. That yeah, no, I did that on Ske- the bar cart design that I posted on on Instagram was SketchUp. That's kind of a working design. I'm sure it'll change a few times before I I actually get to building it. But I've done a little bit of cold um, cold bent laminations in the past, and but it's been a long time. So I've been uh, really looking forward to an excuse to do some more of that because it's fun. Uh, just building the forms and then you know gluing up the wood into those forms. When you pop it out, run it through a planer or a thickness sander or something, and it just comes out so nice. Those curves are pretty satisfying so i'm i'm stuck how do you run the curved pieces through like a planer well they only curve in one direction so in the other plane they're actually flat Uh, oh even though they might be you know yeah it might be going through your planer in one big curve but they come out so nice i i'm looking forward to it but i've only done bent like lamination one time in my life and it wasn't for a client or anything so i have a dartboard in my shop and so every once in a while, at the end of the day, we'll like shoot darts or whatever. And then one day I was like, this is boring, just throwing darts at a board. So I was like, I'm going to make my own recurve bow that shoots the darts at the board. Whoa. <laughs> and so I made a form and did like this bent lamination recurve bow. And it worked. You could like launch those darts at the board really good. Oh, wow. But that's the only thing I've ever done is for jackassery. Nothing serious. <laughs> I've never done any steam bending or anything like that, but the thing that I've had good luck with is just making really thin strips that are maybe three quarters of an inch or an inch thick and just um, gluing them up together against like an MDF form, plenty of uh, packing tape and all that. So they pop out and then you just run them through a planer. Seam seam bending works surprisingly well is steam bending. If you, you can, I bought a steamer on Amazon, you know, like 15 bucks, 20 bucks for like a little steam thing. And you pump it into a pipe or a tube. I learned the I learned the hard way. You can't really pump it into a PVC tube. Oh if it's yeah, long because the PVC tube starts to droop. But uh, uh, I have a <laughs> couple of steel. I like when I did the the canoe uh, last year. I made a canoe and I recurved the the uh, the stem ends. Those are the the parts that are bent around the front end of the canoe. I put them in this four by four steel piece of material steel tube like it was like a basically a like a like a lolly column a square one but we had a piece that was four feet long and it was perfect i just put a wooden cap in the end and a wooden cap in the other end and i drilled this steam pipe to fit in it and it worked perfect and the the actual steel tube was perfect because it didn't melt and it kept the heat inside and it cooked it like an oven and uh you take that thing out and the wood you could probably could have tied it in a knot it was so flexible. What, what temperature are you, do you want to steam it at? Oh, it's just steam is 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 at its temperature. When it's steam, that's the temperature. Yeah, Nick, Okay, so I'm on. an idiot. Seriously. <laughs> Everybody what is it? It's uh, 100, 112, I think. It's, uh, I think, 121 degrees Fahrenheit, I think. It's, oh, okay. It's boiling. Not as hot as I thought. I think it's 212. Is it 212? Is it, It's 212. Yeah, it's 212, not 112. I because I have dyslexia, I inverted the numbers. I said 112. It's 212. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. yeah. So when it boils off into steam, that's how hot it is. But it's just a matter of how long it's in the steam, how thick the wood is. The wood gets penetrated by the steam. The thicker it is, the longer you need to leave it. I'm doing strips. So if you look at a profile end, it's probably quarter inch by an inch, quarter inch by three quarters of an inch, and we 
would laminate six of them together. So we bend six at the same time, six mm. of those strips, a quarter inch thick, so inch and yeah. a half all together. So you're but just steaming the wood, and then you pull it out and bend it. You're not bending it. You put it, it over a form. It. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you, you pull it out. You, you, and lots of clamps, usually. A lot Got of it. clamps, yeah. Yeah. And then you yeah, let I, it dry, and then you pull it apart. Let it dry for a couple of days, you pull it apart, then you glue it together. Yeah, yeah, Okay. I might do some of that for this bar cart because there's a couple radius radii <laughs> that are a little tighter than you could probably get with just the cold bending. So I'll, I'll have to experiment with it a little bit, mm-hmm. but I had a little win, um, this week I got my first project in fusion 360, put it into the CNC machine and it worked. It actually worked. So I made a little video yeah. posted on YouTube. It's nice. It's nice to be able to, f- to figure out fusion cause it's so damn complicated. It is. You figure it out and it works. It's like you feel like you've climbed to the top of Mount Everest, even if it's something simple. You know yeah, who's out I, I've been messing out with it for a long time. You know who's out busting Fusion 360 right now as we're recording is Gary. He's in the shop. That's oh, all really? he uses is Fusion 360. Really? Yeah. What's he making? Right now he's making a standing desk. He's going to have like a pull-out keyboard thing with a monitor mount on top. I don't know. That guy's crazy, man. And oh, wow. he wants- is he even seeing a desk? Yeah. So is he making Baltic something bird. for himself or is he making something f- for you? For oh, no, or... for, for himself. Oh, okay. No, he wouldn't make anything for me because I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I didn't know, know if he was CNC. like working for you or something now, but I know he's been no. set up your CNC. I told him, yeah, I told him you can set up the CNC and as a payment, you can use it however often as you want. Oh, that's and cool. To <laughs> date, that's he's that's the only rank. person that's ever used the CNC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I got I got these boxes made, and oh, I got one of them right here. Um, once again, it's everybody. a podcast, Blake. People you guys can't can see. You guys can look into your your your, uh, oh your earphones here. If anybody it's wants to know right now, it, Blake is holding up a box. It's bright purple. It's made out of um, <laughs> a cast epoxy and crayons that were uh, melted into the box. It's kind of hideous. Not quite. So can I can I ask you? You had a. You had a top and bottom operation for both of those parts. Yeah. Oh no, actually just um just the inside and the the rim, the the two like lip pieces that fit together. The, so you see in cedar from one side, everything else was done okay, on a router. Just everything else was done on a router. Just because on we're on a podcast, I feel like I should clarify. When Jimmy asks Blake, you had a top and bottom operation on both parts. This isn't some <laughs> old man conversation about like, you know, weird you know, prostate uh, exams. It's not at the doctor. They're talking about a box cut out on a CNC, so don't worry. Okay, I just want to clarify. Yeah, yeah, I know because that that box that's you could have done that. Uh, like I know, for instance, if you were going to use Vectrix, for instance, and we just talked about this this morning on uh, the making a podcast with, with I do with Bob and Dave. We just talked this morning about how uh, we always resort to using the programs that we're comfortable with, and obviously, you could do anything in Fusion, so it doesn't even seem like it's got any limits. But with Vectrix. You could set up a uh, a flippable file, and you could do the bottom. Would say, for instance, would be the two open cavities of the box. A deep one and a shallow one would be the inside of the lid, with a rim that would catch, so it has a little step lip. And then you could consider that side of the operation done. Flip it and keep tabs, so both parts of the box are floating in the base material. And then do the whole back side of the thing. And then you just take it out. And the only thing you might need to clean up are the tabs that are holding the two parts in the, the base wood. 
though. That's why I asked. Still talking about Jason's. Agencies. Jason's over here biting his lips so hard for all the innuendo possibilities. <laughs> lips I'm just, gonna blood be is just I'm running down say, his chin right now. I'm not right going to say anything. Okay, we're talking about CNC'd boxes. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, but I. I, I kept the design as simple as possible because I this project the the purpose of it was really just to learn Fusion 360 because sure. like you said you can do anything on a program but it's got a pretty steep learning curve in the beginning so I'm trying to get past that and I, I feel like I had a my first success yeah, this week there's so, a lot there's a lot um, to figure out I actually used it used the program designed something and I got a result so. and when you so, so if you're in Fusion and you post out do you post out to your to Shapeoko, or do you? Does it have a post? Put, does it have a post out to Shapeoko, or do you just yeah, do the G just, code and reinterpret just it somewhere else? The, the G code and it and then put it into uh, Carbide Carbide Motion. motion. Yeah, motion. I just export it into Carbide Motion. All right. Well, then, that kind of covers. Okay, so that's me, Jimmy, Nick, and Blake. Let's stop talking about CNCs. Gosh, <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> we're making Jason really uncomfortable with all the digital. Do you not? Do you not CNC at all? Do you not do any digital? Oh, he's got a, a Gary for I that. I have a I have a CNC in my shop. It runs beautifully. I've never touched the thing. <laughs> I just haven't had time to figure it out yet. One day, Gary, he t- he promises me he's going to teach me how to use the thing. But I feel like an old man next to that thing. It's mm. funny how many jigs that I make to use a router to build furniture that the CNC could do in half the time, and I still haven't taught myself how to use it. One day, yeah. You have a you have a CNC, and you you pay somebody to, to operate it. Well, I don't oh, really no. he he does it for pay free. him. <laughs> I let him set it up, and in payment, he can use it whenever he wants. That's the pay. That's the payment so far. Oh, I see. But you should so, be uh, paying him to teach you how to use the CNC machine. That's true. Sure. I should. Yeah. So on your CNC machine that's in your shop, you, you, you personally don't benefit from it at all? You don't make anything for any clients on it? No, not yet. One day, maybe. Well. Yeah. The problem with my furniture is it's all, I mean, everything I do, it's a one-off custom piece. So it's completely mm-hmm. different from the last piece. So I just haven't got to the point where I feel like I can justify spending the time to figure out making that like one drawer front. Because right now I'd have to learn how to use the CNC and where I'm at, it would be faster just to make a jig and, and do it. I'm sure once I learn how to do it, it'll it'll be quicker to use the CNC, but I'm just not there yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So get off yeah, my back, it, Jimmy. Jeez. It is one of those things where if you're going to get to where <laughs> you can use it, it you got to just kind of take a little break and focus on it for a while until you get it. Because it's not, it doesn't come naturally like, you know, you, you add a, a thickness standard to your shop and uh, I mean you pretty much once you're a woodworker you kind of instantly know what to do with that machine but the CNC doesn't really fit into that workflow exactly it's a if whole I different could animal get the CNC up and running the nice thing about it is while the CNC is running I could make 6,000 steam spoons <laughs> yeah which is the counterpart to the ice pick if anybody wonders <laughs> right um, 6,001 yes so that would be nice uh, we got to do our sponsorship. Jason, what do you got for us this time? Well, today's episode is sponsored by Woodworkers Warehouse. Now, have you ever been in the shop overwhelmed with orders? You don't know how in the world you're going to accomplish all the tasks that are set before you. And you think to yourself, wouldn't it be nice as a furniture maker if I could go to a warehouse and find pre-made furniture for my clients? Well, <laughs> Woodworkers Warehouse has a solution. You simply go to the warehouse, pick out the furniture you want. It comes in boxes, some assembly required. You assemble the pieces and deliver it to your clients. It completely cuts out your need 
to custom make any furniture for your clients. <laughs> Woodworkers Warehouse is the best friend to any modern day woodworker. Check them out today. Is that a real place? Are you kidding? <laughs> no, that's who, that's who sponsored the episode. Jimmy, check them out. Follow Woodworkers Warehouse on Instagram. Thank you, Jason. Yep. Is that a joke? Welcome to uh, what do we call our podcast? Draft will never die. The draft will never die. Welcome to the craft will never die, Jimmy. Uh, All right. Yeah. Just wasted forty some odd minutes talking about CNCs and Jimmy picking his ear with an ice pick. What's our topic? Uh, We do have a topic tonight. We have all rattled off what we got going on. Jimmy had the longest list. Jimmy, we know that you pretty much are juggling like 50 different things at any one given time. We thought we'd talk about how we stay organized, how we stay motivated, and kind of keep everything juggled. Jason, you had a term for that. What do you want to call this topic today? The struggle of the juggle. The struggle of the juggle. Yeah. So juggle, thought we'd put it to you first, Jimmy. How do you, how do you deal with the struggle of the juggle? I I keep certain things organized. Like I said, I don't like to make lists because I over, I get overwhelmed to look at them. But sometimes I have to make lists, and I do keep lists on my note app on my iPhone. So when I'm thinking of something, I write it down, and every once in a while I look at that list. But really, considering I typically have a lot of different projects going at the same time, I just constantly review what's new, what's due next, what is the the most urgent project that has to get done. Um, most of August, I worked on the Carhartt Guinness project, which I just delivered a couple weeks ago, like a week ago, a week ago today, in fact. And it was, uh, I had to make these three bars. It was like a collab between Carhartt and Guinness. And then they hired me to make the bars that they were going to give away. It was kind of, a, it was a little bit of a difficult elevator pitch. Guinness and Carhartt hired me to make bars that they gave to Team Rubicon. That's mm. it. And so there's a lot of marketing and like some kind of online commercials around all that. But that was the most pressing thing for most of August to make sure that every day I moved some of that project along toward the goal, which was to get them on a truck to deliver them to Baltimore a Friday a week ago. So Friday, 10 days ago, they had to get on that truck. So every day it was like, how close are we to being able to stretch wrap these? put them on little pallets and make sure that they can go in the back of this truck. And that was the goal. So once I have a hot goal, I all, I focus on that hot goal. And coming up this week, we have a blacksmithing class starting on Friday afternoon. So that's my next hot goal. Tomorrow, I'm getting a laser delivered. That's CNC laser. Oh, darn it. I thought it was yeah, going to be like something to blow up the moon with. Yeah, it's <laughs> to blow up the moon inside of wood. Something you could strap to a shark. So I'm going to be working on the, the guys that deliver in the laser. That's not anything urgent. That's just me getting something cool. So that's fun. That's a fun thing on my list of stuff to do. Uh, yeah. So just prepping for my, my, my upcoming class. That's like the most important, making sure that the house is in order and that we have supplies and gas because it's going to be blacksmithing. Make sure we have everything we need for the blacksmithing class and. So, so every week I really look at what's the most urgent thing I have to focus on that week. Is and that kind of really, like how far out you look like a week or when you look at your schedule, do you know what's going on like a year from now or do you keep it a lot no. closer than that? No, like right now I know what's going on through like the middle of November. After that, okay. I have no idea. Like the cliff falls off right there. 
Yeah. Well, I'm going to Westport, Ontario, September 14th. I knew I was doing that a year ago because my friend who organized the event wanted to make sure that I can come. And uh, that's a, a little maker event. My friends who make canoes are hosting, and I'm going to be there to do print press. I'm going to be doing some printing. And you, so I'll bring a print press with me in my truck. You're going to take a print press to Ontario? Oh, uh, yeah, a small one. It's like a, okay. like a hand one, not not a big pedal one. All right. It's only 800 pounds. Yeah. No, it's like that one's probably about 100 pounds. But How old is that minutes. print press? When was it made? Uh, probably the 1930s. This, like a hand one. Does anybody it's, like modern day like make print presses? Or are they all, everybody I see doing print press stuff, it's all like. Xerox does. Well. And I think <laughs> there's somebody that does like the hand table press. I don't, nobody makes like the, the clamshell machines with the spinning wheel. Yeah. Not that I know of. Tag Life makes one. Tack life. Yeah. Tack is life that, for your is that really somebody? Press. No. no. Oh. Tack life's like five steps below Ryobi. <laughs> is that a, that's a shitty tool company? Tack life? Is that real? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah it is. Unfortunately. Somebody Jimmy, do you feel like there's certain things that you kind of dread and then other things that you really look forward to that you have a hard time kind of balancing out? Like, do you always do the hard thing first or do you kind of put off the hard thing and? How do you do uh, that? That's a good question. You know, at this point, like I said, I'm, I'm like in my early 50s. So I'm at a point now where it's like, this is the worst fucking thing of the day. It has to get done right away. Put it out. So like when I wake up and, you know, the cat's vomited all over the top of the stove, right? Let's get that <laughs> out of the way. Or, you know, I know I have to uh, feed the chickens. Like tonight I went in the chicken coop and it's, you know, 10 minutes before I'm seeing you guys. I'm like, oh, fuck, chickens don't have any food. Let me do it now. Take care of it. So I go in the barn, cut open a bag of chicken feed and do that. You know, like, I just like to put things behind me, like the most inconvenient stuff I get out of the way as it comes up. Yeah. As it comes up. And, you know, it's, you keep avoid like, you got to pay that fat bill. You owe somebody a lot of money. You know, I just pay it straight away, you know, just to get it off my plate. It's not going away. It's not going away. Yeah. So just put on your big boy pants and just take care of whatever needs to get done. Like I said, whether it's like, you know, picking up something gross because you have farm animals or whether it's paying that fat bill, which you don't want to pay because you can't believe you committed to paying somebody that much money, whatever it is, you know, you just... Or sitting in on some podcast that... Oh, yeah. No, no. This isn't... <laughs> this is fun. I need to get myself a pair of big boy pants. Yeah. <laughs> might be time. Yeah. That's what I'm getting just... from all this. What about you, Jason? You're uh, You're doing a bunch of woodworking. You've got... The, the business that you're running with your wife. You're trying to fit in things all the time. You got the family life. Yeah, how, do you, yeah. uh, how do you cope? Well, I mean, like, I'm similar to Jimmy in the way that, like, I have, like, pertinent things that definitely take priority. And for me, that is all client work, right? So client work comes before everything else. If I can do, like, the yeah, funny... I agree with that for sure. If I can do the funny, like, gag videos and everything, that's all, like, extra that I just, like, find time for and I, I throw it in there. Um, I mean, family obviously comes first, too. But um, when it comes to my business, so I remember maybe two or three years ago, I was kind of new into woodworking, and I was just... I was always stressed out. I was anxious because I was meeting with clients and they'd want to know like, okay, when are you going to have a project done? And I made the horrible mistake of like, I, I gave every client a specific date and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have your project done by this date. 
I always and, say four to six weeks. <laughs> well, it, it stressed me out like nothing else because I was constantly trying to like hit these marks. Like I have to have this done by like the 25th or whatever it was. And then about a year and a half, two years ago, I switched up how I do things to now I just have a running list of clients. And when I get a new client, and they want a piece. I say like you're 12th on my list. So I'll let you know when you're next up. And that's when I get to your piece. I no longer have like a specific date for my clients and that has relieved so much stress because Mm -hmm. I just work on, I work on a piece when I get it done, I move on to the next piece and I've, I've fortunately gotten to the point where, I mean, clients are willing to wait for pieces so I can be booked out a little bit farther. But then the way that I actually organize my pieces is in my shop, I have two huge um, like whiteboards, but they're calendar whiteboards. And so I always try and keep two months on my whiteboard at a time just to try and tentatively map out like where my pieces are. So I have my two month whiteboards I have on there, like kind of tentative dates of like, I'd like to have this done by this date, but it's for me, it's not for the client. And then every single client that I get gets a clipboard. And so below the whiteboards, I have a bunch of pegs. And if you That's are cool. if you're on my list, then I have a specific like um, product sheet that I fill out with like what you want, if you've paid a deposit, like what number you are on the list, and they're all lined up by order. So I just I work through the clipboards. And when I get one clipboard done, I mark it off my list and move to the next clipboard. And it's just kind of what I do. Yeah, it's kind of brilliant. I love that. Nick, what's your take on it? Um, I'm going to be completely different than that because my 9 to 5 pretty much trumps everything and it's a 9 to 5 that is it's not necessarily like I only work from 9 to 5. I might work from 9 to 5 and then 5 to 7 one night or I might work you know 45 hours a week doing whatever. It just depends on what whatever I'm shooting if something's happening in the evening, that kind of thing. And then I come home and my family is first. So I'm, you know, always, what can I do with the kids when I get home? What can I do around the house first? And then it's get them to bed. And can I do anything at all in the shop? That's not going to wake them up because my shop's directly below my kids' rooms. Are your kids like sleepers? No, they're pretty good sleepers, but I, I mean, I, I can't run any power tools just because it's just, my house just isn't quite soundproof enough to do any any big stuff. Like I can sand, no problem. So like if I can get a project to where I need to go through the grits, I can do that at night. That's not a big deal. But all my projects usually only get time on, on the weekends. So I just kind of have to prep my clients. Like if I'm doing a client build, I've just got to be like, hey, I... I don't know when I'll be able to get this done. Like I legitimately cannot give you a delivery date. So it could be three weeks. It could be six weeks. Um, But how nice is that? I mean, like that's the freedom that it's so much less stress to be able to do that versus trying to hit a hard date. On the other hand, it, it gets me in this like feeling of guilt that like I've had this project on my bench for so long and I haven't touched it. Like, I've told these people that I'll make this and I haven't done anything to it in a while. So it's, it's yeah, one of those things. Like, that's, that's all like, to be honest, cause I deal with clients daily. That's mainly on you. Cause most clients that I talk to, I mean, they're, they're in it for the long haul and they want a piece in their house and 
I mean, whether it's going to be three weeks late or two weeks late, I mean, most of the time they're okay with it. Just the other day, like I've been dreading this. I have to build this king size bed for this client. And I knew I was not going to kind of meet the deadline that I told them about. And so finally I like bucked up the courage to write them and say like, Hey guys, I'm not going to meet this deadline. Well, the pieces for their vacation house that they're at like twice a year and they're like, oh, it's okay. We'll be back at the vacation house in nine months. As long as you can have it yeah. done by then, that's fine. And I'm like, oh, okay. I just bought myself another nine months to get this done. <laughs> like, I mean, that's the hard thing is I feel like as as woodworkers, as furniture makers, we put a lot of stress on ourselves to make our customers happy, which is good. Yeah. But a lot of the time, the customers aren't as antsy as we think they are. Yeah, probably not. But I, I think that probably goes to back to my wood or my uh, wedding photography. Whereas those clients, they want to know like you know the week after their wedding if their photos are yes. ready. So I think I have that mentality. Are they done yet? Are they done yet? Are they yeah. done yet? <laughs> Constantly, like, are you done yet? Can I see one? Can I see at least one? <laughs> um, so if they're wanting to that... know if their wedding photography is done a week after their wedding, all I can say is you guys didn't do your honeymoon properly. You should, be thinking, you should be thinking about other stuff for yeah. longer than a week, okay? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I have those kind of crossed where I just need to, you know, take that load off my shoulders and be like, I'll get it done when I get it done. And I mean, I have yet to have one client be like, why did this take so long? I mean, they're always ecstatic to get their piece, so I just need to calm down. But Well, that's what's funny is even clients that are like super instant, they want the piece and they want the piece and you put them off. Even if you're like two weeks late, as soon as you deliver the piece, all that goes away. Yeah. Always forgotten. Yeah. They're just like, oh, I don't even care anymore. I have the piece. This is awesome. So, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Right. But I actually got a delivery today for uh, a commission. I I texted you uh, last minute. I guess it's been a couple of days ago about uh, those undermount drawer slides from Blum. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I picked up a commission for two dressers. So I've got to figure out when I'll be able to. I'm going to be able to work on these next and get them all built out. But the uh, slide showed up today and they look so weird and complicated. I promise you, I promise you, as soon as you use undermount drawer slides, you will never use anything else. You won't. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty nice. They're not as bad as they look. What do you, if you put them in right, it's, it's nice to be able to take the drawer in and out. It's nice to be able to, like, it's easy to work on and deliver and install. You could pop yeah. well, and you, you and don't see the you don't see the drawer slide at all, which is nice. I mean, it doesn't yeah. like take away from the piece whatsoever because you can't. And see they're it. fully adjustable. You could like set the draw face like up yeah. and down. Yeah, you know, exactly. if you have an inset one, if you have an inset draw face, it's nice. You could center it in the frame. This is it's all that complicated looking installation stuff has a million variables to make it look better at the at yeah. Like European hinges are the best because you could totally adjust the door to any. Sh- in out, you know, you get it to fit perfect. Yeah, they they look complicated, but they're actually complicated in a way to make your life easier when you're installing them. Yeah, I'm a yeah. horrible drawer and door maker, but you got those European hinges and the undermount drawer slides. It doesn't matter; they look great. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I know some some people will do a like that. They'll make a cabinet and they'll do like fixed hinges. Because it might be a colonial style, or they're just afraid to use anything else other than like a piano hinge. 
putting a piano hinging correctly is 50 times harder than putting a European oh, hinge. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. And people don't realize yeah. that. Not to mention, it sounds like a crying banshee, like you sounded like earlier when you sneezed, when they open and close it, because it's just <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah. And people are intimidated by the way they look. Like, oh, but if you take five minutes and learn how to install it, or just open up a YouTube video. Yeah. No, undermount slides, they see, they're intimidating, it seems like, because, like, oh, you got to have these, like, special notches in the back, and you got these clips and everything. It's so easy, and it makes your life so much easier. Because, yeah, you can adjust up and down. You can adjust side to side. They clip in and clip out so easy. I mean, night and day. Hmm. How did we get yeah. started talking about this? I thought we were talking about, like, juggling things. Oh. I was... Uh, we're free Juggling well, I segued into because I got to juggle when I'm going to be able to build these things because this is uh, my fall wedding season. So weekends are going to be weddings for a while. Are you booked out a long ways for weddings? No, I don't have too many this year, which is nice. I haven't been advertising as available, so I haven't been picking up a whole lot, but I do have a few. So Saturdays well, if you are don't quick. advertise as available, you're never going to get married. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I've been designing. A set of vents the entire time we've been talking. Well, I know. Jimmy, if anybody's wondering why Jimmy's not chiming in too much, it's because he's like... He's juggling right now. The next Empire State Building on his computer right now. <laughs> no, he's, I... He's literally oh, juggling <laughs> and multitasking during the podcast, which is, which is awesome. I just designed a set of uh, vents. It's simple. It's just going to be a simple CNC cutout. <laughs> um, Jason, earphones. But uh, uh, what... <laughs> one of my clients said, hey, I'm missing a vent. Can you just design me a simple vent? It's not complicated. Just whatever. They literally like drew on a piece of cardboard. This big, this big with this kind of border. Do whatever you want that works for your CNC. So it's a simple thing. It's just a vent with like oblong holes in it. And uh, my computer started dying. I have three computers in front of me, by the way. <laughs> I'm on this one. I'm designing on that one. And that's up there. So. So if you're wondering how you struggle with the juggle, you do a Jimmy DeResta style. Three computers, you design while you podcast, pick your ear, <laughs> just do everything at once. Full bore I ahead. I don't have an available plug. I gotta wait till after to plug this in. You good? Yeah. I'm I'm good multitasker. I like multitasking. I I can really drive really well with my knee. I I can drive like super 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 <laughs> well. Oh, with my knee. I'm an amazing knee driver. I can eat a hamburger and you Instagram. know Instagram. Well, no, I don't do that. We got to be careful what we say in the podcast. <laughs> what you admit to? Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I, I'm usually driving with my knee because I'm texting. I hate to say that, but it's mm. true. Yeah, for me, it's kind of a similar story to Nick because it's the woodworking thing is a hobby for me. And I, I got to like even on my YouTube channel, I've said that early and often that this is a hobby for me and and I'll get to it when I can. I'll I'll post videos. I'll make videos. I'll do the woodworking when I get a chance because uh, I'm juggling a lot, too. I, I mean, obviously, like you guys said, family comes first um, and, you know, I have a full time job and a business that I'm running with my wife. So I try to keep the woodworking kind of a casual thing a stress relief for me so that i can come out here and not feel like it's another obligation or something that i have to do but something that i can just take away the stress from the other jobs that i have so mm. i guess that's how i how i juggle it is by not making this an obligation that i that i have to do necessarily and not kind of caving to that pressure of and and like even my instagram account 
will go weeks at a time without a post because I just have to shut that off once in a while when everything else gets to be too much. Yeah. I would definitely say like I get DMS constantly from people that are like, you know, Hey, I'd really like to get into like the woodworking, like creation side of things. I'd like to start my own business. Do you have any like tips or tricks? Like how do you stay organized? How do you stay on top of things? To be blatantly honest, and I think Jimmy would back me up on this, you have to be willing to just work your ass off. I mean, if you want to view of do my, whatever. I mean, yeah. yeah, just do whatever constantly all the time. Just constantly be doing something. I mean, if you want a view of my last week, like I worked Monday through Friday, probably 60, 70 hours in my shop doing client work. Saturday rolls around. I'm working on my house trying to get my remodel. Sunday, I was over at the neighbor's house installing floating shelves and doing shiplap for the neighbors. I mean, you just constantly have to be working. And yeah. if you're not, if if that's not something you want to do, that's fine. But like, that's how you keep moving the ball forward. And yeah, I don't, I don't watch a lot of Netflix. You know, I'd, I'd much rather be out here working on something and it works out well because my wife and I, she has her art business and she loves to paint. And so she values her time creating just like I do. So we'll have our times when we'll spend an evening together and then we'll have our times when we both feel like after the kids go to bed, you know, I'll go out to the shop and work on something and she'll create something that she wants to make. So that that's kind of a balance for us too. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm so bad. I can't sit still. It drives my wife crazy. Like we'll go on vacation. We'll be like in a foreign country and I'll be like looking at a hillside. Like, I wonder, could I like rake that hillside? Could I build a lean to? Could I do something? Like, I can't. I can't sit still. That's how I'm wired. I got to constantly be doing something. I've got some weeds that need to be pulled. Jason, can you come? Dude, I will fly down there and pull them. Like, that's just my mindset. I have to be doing something. My wife makes fun of me because, like, we buy lawn chairs and, like, this patio furniture. And she's like, you're never going to use it because you won't sit down. I can't do it. But, I mean, if you're going to own your own business and you're going to build stuff, that's kind of the mindset. I mean, you just got to be willing to to go for it. It's completely immersive. Like, everything you do But but on the flip side... That's what I love. It's not like it's what you not, like. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's what I like to do. That's where when people I, people say to me like, "What do you do for relaxation?" I say, "I make things with no client in mind." Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean when the weekend rolls around, I've been fully immersed in our remodel, but that's not work because it's like I don't have a client I'm worried about. I'm working on my own house. I'm doing like that's relaxation for me. I'm working just as hard as I did through the week, but it. It's rewarding and, and there, and then it's fun because you're, you're getting something out of it. I mean, your, your house is going to, you're going to have a killer kitchen when you're done with it. So yeah, totally. I mean, that's how the same thing for me, I went through a, a remodel for a year and a half and I mean, I would wake up at 6am and hit the ground running and I wouldn't stop until midnight or 2p, 2am the next morning sometimes because I was motivated by that satisfaction of, you know, this is, I made this and it's mine and when it's done, it's going to be awesome. And then I'll sit back and relax, maybe, maybe not, and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at least I got something to uh, show for it when I'm done. All right, before we head on over to the after show, Nick, we have some patrons we need to thank. Who are they this week? Yeah, we want to always thank our patrons who support us over there on Patreon. Uh, and we've got a new guardian this week. His name is Rance Hamaker. I, and I apologize, Rance. I don't know if it's Hamaker or Haymaker. There's no Y in, in Hamaker. Hamaker. His Instagram handle is Red Point Woodworks. And Jason, you nice. know what you have to do, right? 
All right. So when I heard that, um, you know, he became a guardian, I thought I'm going to write a special haiku for him. So <laughs> I ditched all my work for the week and I drove out to the coast and I sat in the sand and watched the surf for 48 straight hours. I just watched the ocean until the words came to me. And this is the haiku that came to me for Red Point Woodworks. Silence, please. Red, <coughs> Sorry. Red Point Woodworks is fog on a misty meadow. A new fawn wakes up. Boom. Mic drop. That's it. That's your haiku. It's wow. not bad. You should write Amazing. that one down. That's like Edgar Allan Poe level stuff, guys. Uh, <laughs> all right. Nevermore. Nevermore. Never all right. More. Oh, and uh, Nick, who are our other guardians that we got to mention? Yes. Too? We cannot forget our other two guardians, Georgia Crate Company, Zach, and also Nick over at Stated Woods Co. So we want to say special thank you to those two guardians also. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We appreciate it. You're keeping us going, keeping the lights on for our podcast, and you're supporting the Craft It Forward campaign, which we're going to talk a little more about in our next episode. But for now, we're going to head on over to the after show. Uh, thanks again, guys, for hanging out. And Jimmy, thanks for joining us for the Craft Will Never Die podcast. Thanks we for having me, guys. Time. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. Later, everybody. Bye. Yeah, we'll see you.